This is Karsh, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. Pantheon Podcasts presents from Hollywood, California, The Devil's Music with Pleasant Gaiman. You are invited to join the Hollywood princess as she explores her lifelong pursuits in the occult, sex, love, and that sinful rock and roll. Ladies and gentlemen, step into the dark parlor of Pleasant Gaiman as she brings you the devil's music. Hey there, this is Pleasant Gaiman, and you're listening to The Devil's Music, a Pantheon podcast. A little bit about me I'm a punk rock witch from Hollywood, California. I've had a lifelong passion for rock and roll and the occult that started when I was a preteen. In the 70s, I was one of the first punks in LA. And as a teenager, I worked at the Whiskey A Go-Go, started producing shows, and made a Xerox fanzine called Lobotomy, which led me to write for every major rock publication you could think of. In the 80s and the 90s, I fronted three bands. I'm a best-selling author with eight books out and more on the way. For the past 30 years, I've toured around the globe to teach and perform dance. You might have also seen me acting or dancing in music videos, feature films, and documentaries. Look for me in the new Go-Go's documentary. To find out more about me or to book a tarot reading, go to my website, pleasantgaiman.com. I'm really excited to be part of the Pantheon Podcasts network of rock and roll shows. Everyone here at Pantheon tells stories about the music we just adore so much, each and every one with a different twist. Find them all wherever you listen to podcasts at Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Pandora, anywhere you get your favorite podcast fix. And head on over to PantheonPodcast.com to share a show with a friend. Or be damned to purgatory forever. This is Pleasant Gaiman, and I am welcoming to the Devil's Music Podcast an awesome, awesome sister, sister brother, sister woman, uh, the very exciting, very spooky Roz Dresvelez, host of the popular Ghosted Podcast. Hello, my witchy sister. 
Hi. Oh my God. I've been listening to every single episode and now I'm like a part of it. I feel like I won a sweepstakes or I feel like I, uh, I'm the hundredth caller or something. <laughs> I'm honored. Well, that's what I felt like when I was on your podcast. Um, I got to say when, when, um, Rosin, I met, it, it was, um, it was really good. It was, uh, I felt like a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i think we have a good connection I, I think we're like um yeah, we were destined to meet each other it, it's kind of weird to me that we hadn't met before i, feel I know like we have a ton of mutual friends and mutual interests and we somehow just never crossed paths but it finally happened when it needed to yeah i know that was great so um Roz, tell me tell me about how you actually started um the ghosted with an exclamation point podcast. <laughs> well, I, um, like a lot of people that are into the paranormal, I grew up in a house that was, I guess, haunted. My grandmother stuck around and she would visit me particularly. And I, I mean, I also grew up Catholic and I think that there's definitely connections to the paranormal and spookiness of the catholic church and and the teachings and um i think it just causes you to be a little bit superstitious and so it was sort of in me to always be interested in that but i i think that since at a young age i knew what it was like when there's somebody in the room that i can't actually see um and so as i got older i think i would go places and it seems like ghosts would be like, oh, that bitch right there will understand us. So they would like, you know, make their presence known to me, I think. And, and so I just kept collecting all these like weird ghost experiences of my own. And I always like to talk about this stuff. And I've lived in Hollywood now for I think like 12 years. And, and I'm friends with so many celebrities and creatives and kooky, interesting, fun people. And so many of us have had these experiences. So I just thought I would make a podcast and have them come on and tell some ghost stories. What's that at the foot of my bed? It's spooky and kooky. I'm pretty sure it's dead. It's coming this way. Wait a minute. Hey, I'm ghosted. I run. And it's the best name ever. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on the Catholic Church. Um, I, was, uh, I wasn't raised with a religion, really, um, you know, because it was the 60s. But whenever I, uh, but we were allowed to go to like people's Sunday schools and stuff like that. And anytime I went into a Catholic church, I was so fucking obsessed with the statues with like all the yeah. fucking like and arrows in them and all the blood coming out of the eyes and that everyone was getting tortured. And then <laughs> so terrifying. I was, oh, but I, I love that shit. I love monster magazines. When I was, when I was oh, yeah. four, I started like, like, you know, I mean, obviously there was nothing like my little pony or anything like that in those days, but I, I was obsessed with monsters. Like they just seemed so friendly and nice to me. And I had, I always had like a lot of paranormal experiences when I was little, like lots of them. Like, yeah, I feel like, like the Catholic Church 
from my experience with the Catholic Church, it was like, um, <clears throat> like I, I, the thing that I enjoyed about it, I guess, because like when you're a kid, it's so interesting how like your world is just what you know for the most part. And like for me, it was like I looked at the Catholic Church like a show. Like I would go to church, and it was like here is this fabulous man coming down the aisle with like kind of a dress on with like sparkles and and you know uh incense and big giant crosses and and there was that spooky side of things as well but then also like this fabulous like it was drag as far as i'm concerned and uh so from that i just I think it's really like made me who I am, like spooky and uh, over the top, flamboyant, whatever the hell. Um, I mean, I'm not a Catholic anymore, but uh, it definitely shaped that. But I was also really interested in like um, the stories that I would hear because I went to Catholic school too, and and they would teach us the stories about like well, I mean, like exorcism, for example, and I was obsessed with the exorcist. I mean, I saw the exorcist when I was probably like seven or something. I saw the um, edited for TV version and I VHS recorded it. And uh, I watched that, that and Carrie were like two of my favorites. And, and Carrie too has like the scary Jesus's, you know, with like, like that her mom, you know, has in the house that have like the arrows and the blood and everything. And I don't know, there's just something about it that I was like, yes. And so I've always been into the spooky, spooky and fabulous. Yeah, exactly. Or like, or like, um, like Piper Laurie and, and Carrie, sin never dies. <laughs> <laughs> I yes. can smell whiskey on his breath. Right. All over me. Yeah. And I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> oh my God. It's so funny. Like I was like the one kid on the playground that was like, oh, you guys like whatever the hell was going on in the 90s. I'm like, well, let me tell you about this girl named Carrie. They're like, what? <laughs> yeah, the, the, fucking, the fucking gym scene, where that, the gym scene where she's like um, telekinesising the fuck out of everybody. Yes. I saw that once on an airplane. Um, you know, it was one of the airplane movies, and um, because you could, you know, you can roll back your own little personal video when you're watching the movies. I watched mm -hmm. this scene with the car flipping with John Travolta. Oh <laughs> like, my god, it's so good! Like Eighty times, and the lady that was like, and I was like, I had headphones on, and I'd had a few drinks, you know. <laughs> and the, I, I just sort of out of the corner of my eye saw the lady next to me that was an absolute horror that I was looking at it laughing like a maniac. <laughs> well, you know what's so funny is that movie, so my parents were like uh, in their 20s and stuff in, their, in the 70s. And so I, I grew up in the 90s and I think a lot of the 70s influence was it, my parents exposed me to. And um, they knew I liked scary stuff. And I think my dad was like, Oh, yeah. I mean, like 20 years ago, I thought this movie Carrie was scary. I haven't seen it since then. And so he rented it for me. And I think he instantly, like, as soon as the movie starts, it's like these naked girls in the shower scene. And I think he completely forgot what this was. And I just remember distinctly, he like, went to, he like left the room to like go do laundry or something. And I was just like staring, like, what is going on in this scene? And then I just remember him coming back into the room and being like, so what I miss? And I was like, nothing. I didn't see anything. I don't know. I don't know nothing. Um, and for years, I was so confused by that movie. I didn't know 
what what happened in that scene i didn't know like nobody like i didn't know what was going on i just knew that like something happened in the shower and it wasn't good i thought the soap attacked her or something um and so for years i just thought it was a movie about soap that possessed a girl and made her uh evil <laughs> but i have to ask you a personal question oh, great. When when you're going in drag, do you think of your boobs as your dirty pillows? <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> I always, I always think of mine that way. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Um. So, um, t tell me about uh, the last time that that um the the most recent paranormal experience that's happened to you. Well, as we were texting the other night, I I was convinced that I caused this gigantic earthquake we just had. Oh no, what both of us did. Remember? <laughs> yes. I was okay, so I was sitting, I was at home. Um, I've been quarantining. I just moved to this place. Um and I'm quite convinced it's not haunted. I don't know. I've smudged it, whatever. Um, but my boyfriend is not he's not had paranormal experiences and I think he's open to it, but kind of like a, I'll believe it when I see it kind of a person, maybe a little bit more skeptical than me. And we were uh, zooming with some friends of his and we were taught, they were asking me questions about the paranormal and are you afraid you're going to, you know, welcome in demons or evil presences because of, you know, your openness to this stuff. And, and my boyfriend mentioned, you know, I, you know, I want to go to haunted hotels and I want to see this kind of thing for myself or whatever. And in that moment, the whole fucking home started shaking. Some, something fell off of the wall. I have this like taxidermy scorpion that flew, that fell off the wall. And then I also have this, I should actually show it to you. I have this like statue that I made that's like it's made out of an old ceramic doll and it's like the doll head is one piece with the neck and then like the chest is another piece and I just kind of rest the head into the chest piece that shifted so it looked like she had a broken neck Ooh. and we were terrified <laughs> my boyfriend who's not had a paranormal experience was like you need to google right now did we have an earthquake or was that just in here and uh <laughs> I made a believer out of them, but I don't. Uh, I, I we there was definitely a couple of minutes where I was fully convinced that that we did this. <laughs> well, uh, I know, I know. I was um, I was, I was. Uh, I'm glad we both we both caused it together because I I was um, I was in the kitchen um, with a a couple of girlfriends and um, a couple of drinks in my system, and I was uh, I was like dancing wildly in the kitchen wearing a belt of pentagrams and um to a <laughs> song about satan and all of a sudden um oh i had just been doing a tarot reading too and then all of a sudden the whole thing went <laughs> <laughs> and, and i was like what the fuck happened have you experienced something like that i mean it's been i think 12 years that i lived in la and i yeah, you know, I've been around a couple, but I've never had it where things fall off the walls like that. I mean, what oh, how was you, know, you were here for the 94 one, right? Oh, hell yeah. That, oh, I'll tell you about that one. Um, 
Okay. But the the one the one that happened last Fourth of July in twenty nineteen yes, that was a big one, which was memorable because that was one of the only things that happened in twenty nineteen. <laughs> uh, the like olden days, fire tornadoes and fucking. Right. Um. Anyway, the night on on July third, I was getting ready to go to bed at you know at like three thirty in the morning or whatever my normal bedtime usually is, and um. I have this big giant um, thing that it's like made out of heavy wood. It's antique. It's like, it's actually, it's a Catholic. It's from a Catholic church. It's like a big, it's shaped like a cathedral window, but it's heavy wood and it says hymns and it's got plate like little slots where you can like put the hymns that are going to be um, done that day in it, you know, so everyone yeah. knows what to flip to. Anyway, I was getting ready um, to, to hop into my bed, which is up on this big loft. And the hymn thing is like right over the pillows. And it, it's been there for a really long time. I lived in my house for a long time. And I looked at it suddenly and it clicked into my head. Wow, you better take that off the wall in case there's an earthquake. This was like going on in my head. And then I, and then I that thought just popped into my head. And then the next thought was like, Oh no, well, it's bolted on. And then the other voice was like, okay, you better make sure. So I hopped up on the bed and I tried to move it. And all the plaster around where the, the big wall metal bolt heads or whatever the fuck they're called were in there. It was all, all the plaster had chipped away. So I easily took it off the wall and then um, brought it into the living room. I mean, dragged it in because it's super heavy. And then just put it up against the... Um, like, you know, up against the wall on the floor in the living room. And, and then that was that was that earthquake that that, that one on July fourth, twenty nineteen that came oh, on so was... I know. That was that one was the first time because I have um guitars that like hang from the walls, you know, like those like guitar hanger things on the walls. Yeah. Um and usually that's like my indicator. Like if I feel something, I'm like, was that just me being like nauseous and feeling like the world shaking or are the guitars shaking? And that was the first one where the guitars were like slamming against the wall. Yeah. It was terrifying. But um but that's the biggest one I had ever felt until the, until this weekend. Oh my God, the 94 one was like, that That was fucking psychotic. Okay, so um, first of all, my boyfriend at the time and I had been, we'd been um, watching some Godzilla movie and he passed out on the couch. But the whole end of the movie, I can't remember which one this was. I think it was, it might've been like Godzilla versus Rodan or, or something, but the whole entire end of, of that movie is like a giant earthquake hitting Tokyo. Um, anyhow, so I left him on the couch, you know, and I went in to go to sleep. And um, my cat at the time was she was she was super old when that happened. She was she was like nineteen and she lived to be twenty two. Uh, she, uh, she woke me up like jumping on my chest with her claws into me and screaming in my face. And I kind of half woke up and I was like, "What are you doing?" And so then I just put it on the side and then she did it again two more times. And so by that time I was completely awake and my shade was kind of up and I thought I heard a rumbling, but I wasn't sure. Then it got louder. And then there was like such a slam, like there was the other night and my shade was kind of open. And the minute the slam hit, 
there was like this huge flash of light, which I later realized was transformers blowing, but I thought it was an atomic bomb. And then when it started, I was just like, (gasps) like I got goosebumps all over because I had never felt one like this. I got off the side of my bed, which my bed is really high. I already said that. And the floor felt like it was undulating. I mean, it felt like how you be on a boat and I could hardly walk and I could hear glass breaking all over the place. And, um, my boyfriend met me in the hall and he's holding on to me and we're under a doorway and it's pitch black because all the power went out and um, it kind of started. I mean, it stopped and I was like, I was completely hyperventilating and he had only been living in LA for three months from Pennsylvania. He kind of goes, so that's an earthquake. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. That's not a normal earthquake. We've got to get the fuck out of here. And I was like, <laughs> like that. And then I started to go into the bathroom and he's like, um, don't go in there. If, you know, you're barefoot. You're not going to be walking for a long time. If you go in there, a lot of glass just broke in there. So we, we ran outside and we went to this monastery that's near my house in the Hollywood Hills um, because I'd already like scoped it out. It was, it's a big open parking lot and there was no like power lines over it. And then it was still dark out. Anyway, we went back in, um, we went back in a couple of hours later. There was still like a ton of aftershocks, but we waited till it was light to go back in the house. And um, I didn't, I still didn't have my glasses, which is why I was running into the bathroom to begin with and so I made sure I had shoes on and I, I stepped into the bathroom and I, I couldn't figure out what all this white stuff I, I was seeing on the floor was I was like what the fuck's going on here and the minute I found my glasses this aquarium that I had on a shelf in the bathroom um, <clears throat> was completely like a lot of the aquarium was off the shelf and there was only about two inches of water in it and all the fish were down there but apparently all the water had splashed all over the floor and all the other glass shelves that were in the bathroom and there was a lot of them and everything on it had fallen onto the floor and um so anyway one of the things that that fell off the shelf was this full new box the shades of carrie <laughs> um it was a box full of tampons and we'd been sitting out in the parking lot at the monastery for so long that the cardboard kind of like came apart and um all the wrappers of the uh, of the tampax got wet, so all of the tampax exploded, and it was like a fucking snowball field on the floor of the bathroom. So, <laughs> so there was like almost no um, almost no water on it, but a lot of broken glass and a lot of tampons that got like bigger than a person's fist. It was kind of, it was kind of amazing. Oh my god! I just yeah. always think about like what other people are like. I want to know about people that had, were having sex when this happened. Like, I want to know about people that literally were paranormal, like, investigating when this happened. Like, those are the stories where it's like, can you imagine what you would be thinking? But I had sex. I had sex once during an earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> of course um, <laughs> I know. It's not, it's not only time that that happened, but um, I... I was cheating on somebody having sex with, with somebody else. And um, all you of a sudden... That, that was God just trying to strike you. <laughs> you and your Catholic damage. No. <laughs> but, but the other thing, it took me a while to realize that it was a real earthquake because this was in the days of like record players. 
And so I was, um, I was at someone's house watching their pets where I was having my, my little tryst, you know? And, um, I had put the needle across on, on a Prince song. You know that song, Get Off, like that. <laughs> Uh, like where he's talking about like your big butt, like, you know, like it splits when you sit down and all this stuff, but there's a part where it goes, Woo! like, like a record scratch. So that song had been playing a million times in a row while, while we were fucking. And then all of a sudden we hear this, Woo! which was really the needle on the real record player. And then the earthquake started. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And then, and then after it was going, I was like, Oh my God, now what do I do? I, I was like, in a panic. I mean, from the earthquake, because it was big, but also that one was in the afternoon. But I was also like, like, what the fuck? Like, had, and this was, I mean, thank God this wasn't in cell phone days where I would have had to think a lot quicker. <laughs> I was like, okay, what do I say? What do I say? Like, where, where was I when this happened and all those things? <laughs> right. Do you, like, feel guilty? Uh, no. Because, <laughs> no. you know, so many of my friends are, like twice my age, uh, just the fact. But I, I am always curious about people that like were adults or were around before cell phones. Do you do you think it's a better thing or do you miss those days or what do you think? I I have gotten to the point where I um I kind of don't know how we function before them, especially yeah, younger, like in like in in uh like. Uh, <laughs> I, I always say in punk rock, like I'm talking about like in the Mesozoic era or in the Paleolithic era. Um, in punk rock, like I don't know how we all knew where to go on on certain nights or like how we all met each other. I still try to figure that out. And I've looked in my diaries for clues because I've been keeping a diary like nonstop since I was 10 and I can't figure it out. Like, I mean, now you can make like such... Um, you could just make exact plans, like even though me and you fucked ours up <laughs> recently. Um, but like before, you just had to like trust that the person or people you were meeting was going to show up somewhere, or you would just go somewhere and meet new people. Like you didn't see their social media profile, and also in those days, you could be attracted to them. And I mean, in any kind of way, not just sexually, you know, because dressing was so much more of a of a like sort of social cue like if someone someone was all in black or looked like a little bit different um then everybody like pretty much you could tell if someone had the same frame of reference if you if you looked at them just just by their looks it wasn't like now where everyone's like always all dressed in black or everyone has tattoos or has colored hair in those days that was like you could spot it like you know how like dogs or babies kind of see each other from across the street and they're passing sure. car and they're pointing and the dogs are like wagging their tails because they recognize one of their species exactly that's, that's kind of what i think it was it was like but um yeah the concept of landlines and all that stuff was it was it was it was really fucked up like if you wanted to call someone long distance it was so expensive like ridiculously expensive right you know you only talk for a few minutes. Yeah, well, I was, I was just, the thing that I always think about is, now I don't know if this is true or not, I'm just guessing. I'm no doctor, Pleasant, but I think, <laughs> or scientist, but I think, um, Paging Dr. Justin. 
PhD. I um I, I, I think that people might there might be uh I, I don't I hesitate to say they might have been smarter. I don't know though. But just the thought of like, hey, who sang that song? Let's say, you know, it's one it's one AM, you're like, who sang that song? Nowadays we just Google it and we instantly know. But back then, I think you would you would have to figure it out. You can't you couldn't even just go to the record store. It's not open at that time. So you'd have to really dig deep into your brain. And I wonder if and then there's a million other you know examples of that kind of thing. How do we get to this place? You know, so many things. Now we have GPS. They didn't back then. Like so, I think there's a lot of things like that that certain parts of your brain you used to work out way more than we do now. I think oh yeah. I mean, you're exactly right on that. Like, um, if if I had a crush on someone, the second I got their number, it was in my brain, in my so brain funny. to the point where I could drunk dial it. You know what I mean? I barely know any <laughs> numbers now. From a phone booth outside of a bar. <laughs> um, but sometimes I get really frustrated with um with these kids today because like so many of them like. Like now with the internet, there's anything you want to know on it. Like if you thought something was interesting, why don't you know all about it? Like we used to have to go to the fucking library to figure that out. If it was even something that was figure outable from a library, you know what I right. mean? Right. Well, that's because that's, since I do spend so much time with people that are older than me, um, I because even when I was a little kid, I was like, these kids are so lame. I want to be around. I want. I wanted to be an adult my whole life, and now people yeah, that were adults when I was a kid are now like you know older than me. And I, um, uh, what was I going to say about that? Um, 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 oh, so a lot of times older people that don't know me well kind of lump me in with the generation below me, because I'm millennial, but the generation below me, the people in their early 20s and teens and stuff, they're so incredibly different than my generation, even though we're just a few years apart, because I actually did grow up with limited internet. I mean, still some internet, but like, I, I mean, I had to spend more time. Uh, I mean, I had to like print off um, map quest instructions rather than just use a gps you know like i had like a little bit more of that but still not as much as i mean there's still way more technology yeah, you when didn't I was have there. a thomas guide on your lap while you were driving right but i know all about that for those of you that don't know a thomas guide was this fucking encyclopedia sized like thing that had an index of streets and you had to look up like the numbers and coordinates on it it was <laughs> You have to pull over to use it. Because when I moved to LA, it's just funny to think because it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but I had to have um, a, a phone, but also I had to have um, a GPS device, you know, like an actual like Garmin or whatever device in my car. And I had to have like a digital camera. Like I had to have like so many other things that we have now, which again, I'm not, I'm not trying to act like I'm so much older than the people below me, but it's just interesting that they are growing up with that stuff already you know like these are kids that like had their own cell phones when they were maybe like 12 or something and i didn't get one until i was like in my uh late teens um i don't know i don't know yeah no, i, I, I just want to sound old <laughs> <laughs> no you'll never be as old as me so there no. 
<laughs> I wish. I'm so jealous of the the uh, decades you got to live through and the things that you got to experience. I'm so. I think you are just the coolest, and that's why I love listening to this show because I love your stories. Oh my God! There's. I mean, like uh, my. I always say that like if there was social media in those days, uh, me and all my friends would would still be incarcerated. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, social media has even changed since, since my early 20s. There wasn't so much of taking videos at clubs and stuff, but it's it's definitely, I mean, I can only imagine what it would be like to be out at a bar and not have everyone with video cameras and, and phones in their hands where they could take a video or a picture of you at all times. Like, I feel like nowadays I'm like looking over my shoulder. I can't be too much of a mess or it's going to end up on the internet. Oh yeah, everyone was a huge mess. I mean, not everyone, but things got really messy back in the day a lot, you know? And then <clears throat> I still have all these like old cardboard cameras from, cause that was like, that was like better than even um, like when cell phones came in because you didn't have to lug like a giant camera around, you know, you still had to decide if you really wanted to take a picture of something. But um, I was always too drunk to like even label them. So I have no idea where they're from. And every so often I open the drawer and I'll be like, should I send this in to get developed? Like, you know, because you know that there's probably like at least one picture of a CD covered in a huge pile of Coke or something. <laughs> you should though. There's probably some place that still does that. No, we used to, no, I, I will do that. But, but anytime I've done that, it's been like, it's been like a total crapshoot. And I mean that in the best way. It's always because you didn't just carry around those things for every day. You know what I mean? It was always when you were going somewhere like really fun or doing a gig or something. You know? Well, you know, what's like another thing I think about in this vein of conversation is um, the candid photo. Like there's, when I look at like your social media, you have the coolest candid photos and they still exist. Like they just, Candid photos still happen nowadays, but so often it's like, wait, let's look at the photo after it's been taken. Mm, oh, I look weird. Let's take another one. You know, and it's like, you don't get those authentic moments as often nowadays as I think it used to be because you would have to develop it and that's what you get. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, that also made, that made like photo sessions harder too, because you'd have to wait like a week and a half or two weeks and then look at the proof sheets and it was all like, you know, little inch inch by inch squares and be like, that one looks like a good picture, you know? Right. <laughs> so then, then a print would get me. One of my um, favorite <clears throat> photos ever is that photo of you. I think I think it's um, on Hollywood Boulevard in like the 70s and you look, you're like kind of teenager or something in like a photo booth and you just look so cool. And do you know, do you know the photo I'm talking about? I don't, I don't, I, I took a few of those so I don't remember. Was I, you're just you know, like, your makeup looks so cool and you look like, you just look like a bad girl in the coolest way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know, the one with my eyebrows, John. Yes. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that was, that was like, um, a friend of mine looked at it, um, you know, like when I, when I first found that little picture of it and she just looked at it and she was just like, damn, here comes trouble. And I was like, yeah, you're kidding. <laughs> So good. Um, so where did you grow up? You said you didn't grow up in LA. No, I grew up in Michigan. Really? What uh -huh. part? Grand Rapids. Tell me about the ghosts up there. <laughs> or like, is um, there 
like weird like lake monsters or shit up there? Uh, not since I've left. Uh, there was. <laughs> <laughs> there was um there's there's it's known as the ada ada witch ada ada witch which is um it's a small suburb in grand rapids michigan there's this famous story of this witch that i always mess up the story but it's basically her i think it was her husband was having an affair and then he she caught them, and I might have this wrong, but it's something along these lines. She caught them having an affair. She killed the mistress and the husband and herself and then cursed the woods. And then people see this woman in white and, you know, they pick her up because she needs a ride. And then all of a sudden she vanishes in the car, like that old story. And there's like the spooky woods and um, like dirt road with like trees over your car. It's just pitch black at nighttime. And that was like definitely a high school hangout. sure you hung out there all the time <laughs> all the time absolutely um that's probably my favorite one that because it was like, kind of like what you and i were trying to figure out places to go go something during quarantine it's like there's only so many places you can just like go that are like public property or whatever you know like that was like an outdoor woods ghost which is so fucking scary um yeah that wet the woods like the only time that I've ever done a ghost hunt in the in the woods was with um my my ghost hunting partner and also um you know one of my besties and writing partner. Her name is Crystal Ravenwolf and we wrote a tarot book together that's that's not published yet. But um we got called to uh to investigate a place in um, Central California, in the Central Valley, called Hobbs Grove, and it was a it was an old walnut grove, which is why it was called that. But it's been a Halloween haunt for, for oh, years. Oh, you told me this on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was in the middle of the woods, but that was kind of controlled woods because at least it was on their property, and there was still like employees working there in case something horrifying happened in those woods they could they could hear your screams you know oh i know because i'm such a scaredy cat like if i ran and then all of a sudden i got separated from my friends oh that is some blair witch project that is terrifying oh oh yeah but yeah i'm like i'm getting more into paranormal investigating i've done since doing the podcast i have done it probably five times or so but 
I'm like, I'm getting more brave. You know, I'm talking to a lot more quote unquote expert type people that have helped me to not be as scared and be more curious and open-minded about it and kind of forget my the beliefs that I have of you know what I've seen in horror movies and stuff and just sort of be open to the experience and so I'm trying to go out there more and I'm I'm looking for some ghosts as long as they don't follow me home that's that's the only thing I'm like so afraid of is a ghost waking oh, you me know, up in the middle of the night you know what that happened to me at oh. Casita del Campo when, when um, we were there no no it was um it was a different I can't remember I don't think I talked about it when we were there but um and me and um, my friend Shana Leilani, my co-producer of Bell Book and Candle, we held a seance there in the in the basement during the daytime with a bunch of people, and and um, taught them how to use Ouija boards and. Um, was this you know, a Sunday's party? No, that was that was a that was a private party. But so this was a different time. This one was open to the public, but I mean, it wasn't mobbed. It was like only people that like you know answered back to us and stuff but so um the next day i felt kind of like really run down and tired even though it had been an afternoon thing and i, I had like kind of a stuffy head but also i have the allergies um and it was october so it was really hot in la at that time and then it, it wasn't going away so when I, whenever you've done anything paranormal if you feel like that i'm telling this to the audience um not to you because i'm sure you already know this Anyway, you guys out there in podcast land, if you're doing a paranormal investigation and you're not feeling well after it, always rule out the mundane first. Like, do you have allergies? Do you have a cold? You know, have you not been sleeping well? Um, but I, like it kept getting worse and worse. And then same with Shauna too. And then I said to her um, one day, I can't tell if I have a cold or if I have an attachment. And I just said it completely normally, but then I laughed because it sounded so fucking psychotic, you know. <laughs> but we both had attachments. Crystal, the um, the girl that I just mentioned, she was coming down into town and she cleaned us both off and she was just like, ew, God, what the hell did you, you know what I mean? Because it was just, something, when you get an attachment, sometimes it's like just super mucky and disgusting, you know? Yeah. I love Casita del Campo though. We had so much fun when you did, because we you did the first ever live show of my podcast, um, which was at Casita del Campo. Everybody has to listen to Raz's podcast, Ghosted. Yes, thanks. Um, yeah, that was so fun. We've now done it three times at Casita del Campo. I haven't had a ton of of paranormal experiences there, but I, I mean, I've done, God, I don't know, dozens of campy drag queen plays. Have we even mentioned that I'm a drag queen? I don't even know if that's come, like, if we've said that. But. No, we're gonna, we're gonna mention it, um, you know, I mean, this will, uh, just, just so everyone knows, like, there's gonna be a safety warning about your drag queenism, and that, <laughs> like it's a condition. <laughs> no, I know. I was so scared to do a show with you because I was like, because you were so tall and beautiful. And I was like, I'm going to look like. <laughs> no, you look gorgeous. I just remember I was like, I remember asking you, do you do makeup too? Because I know you do 10,000 other things. You're like the most uh, well-rounded jack of all trades um, because your makeup was so stunning. But um yeah, I've done so many shows there, and I've never had experiences of my own, but 
I've had a lot of friends that have had experiences down there. And uh, <laughs> the night that you did it. Oh, you did it the night that we had Deborah Wilson there from Mad yeah, TV. Yeah, she was great. She was so fun. And she she does the yeah, voice. Tell everyone who she is that's listening. Deborah Wilson, she's one of those people that I grew up watching on Mad TV and is just like, I think she's just like from another dimension. Like she's Wasn't just out of this world funny. Is she even voice on something? She yes, she was. She does. She does a lot of voiceover, but she was the demon voice of like the nun, the movie The Nun. She did like all the. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So she was doing it on stage, and when she did my podcast in studio too, and she did the voice as well. But um, she's hilarious, and we had a good time. But I did that. I did Ghosted Live two other times, and the last time I did it, I. Um, had a psychic with me and we were backstage using a spirit box and I'm always a little skeptical of spirit boxes um if anyone doesn't know what that is it sort of scans radio frequencies and picks up you know little words here and there and the times that it feels really legit is when you ask specifically like what's your name and then it says like Robert or whatever like that's when yeah. it's like wait that's not that was like really weird that it said something specific to our question no, that's and that's it's how I'm just saying this for everybody. When when you ask a spirit a question and it answers specifically, and it's not just random, no matter what kind of device you're using, that's when you know you're really talking to someone. Yeah, and we did, and it was um, it was pretty it was pretty crazy. Um, so that's I guess the closest to an experience I've had down there, and that was I think that was the last. Because I, I did a live show literally like March 7th or something at Casita del Campo. It was like right when people started to be like, should we be doing this? Like with the with coronavirus that everyone's talking about, but not quite. We weren't yeah, quite not quite. That. Not yeah. like it was the next week or two. Yes, exactly. Which, God, that was such a horror movie going to like Target. I went to Target to like get um, hand sanitizer and stuff. And it was just like... That was so scary to see not only shelves completely empty, but people yeah. like wrestling each other just about to get stuff. And I was like running. I was like panicking to try to get toilet paper and like anything I could find. Um, but I don't know. We've all been through it. It's not that interesting at this point. <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, the thing that was really eerie to me, I, I went out. Um, I've only been out a couple of times at night in the pandemic. And um the first time I went out, I live in Central Hollywood, just so everybody knows. Um, the first times I went out, like in the daytime, there was no there was no traffic in the beginning of pandemic because everybody was staying home. So if you were in a car, you could basically like drive on the opposite side of the road for blocks and another vehicle wouldn't come. Or you could stop in the middle of the street like I did to take pictures. And if there happened to be a car coming, they would just go around you completely like illegally you could blow red lights it was crazy there was no cars on the road but at night hollywood seeing it completely empty and deserted and a lot of places were um boarded up this was like before before the riots happened but they were just boarded up anyway you know because because no one was around but there was no neon on it was it was like a fucking movie set it was really really eerie and then i know the only 
the only people that were around in my neighborhood, at least, were like all the, um, not just not just homeless, like regular homeless people, but like the crazy crackheads. So it seriously looked like The Walking Dead. I, I swear to fucking God. <laughs> like, yeah. Like people so, all sideways. So yeah. Yeah. But, I just love, I love talking to someone like you because you, you grew up in Hollywood, right? Or LA. Yeah, I grew up in, it wasn't stupid to walk around barefoot. You could actually, like, it was clean here. It was like a Midwestern town. You could leave your windows open at night. Like, even if you lived on the ground floor, you weren't dumb. Isn't that weird? Oh, my God. No, I, I know. Love, I love hearing about weird Hollywood. I love, like, anytime you've told stories on this show or to me that are, like, I don't know, just like underground Hollywood or stuff like through the 70s and 80s. Or I love your story about, um, what was the story you were going to, you heard Bad Company was staying at a hotel or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. At the, at the, um, at the Beverly Hilton. Yeah. Oh, that's iconic. It's just so yeah. funny to hear. It's so cool. But you know who, you know who used to be my, um, the lady that would pick through my trash? This is, this is wild. Okay, so. The lady that would pick through my trash was always wearing all black. She had a high-necked black, um, and this was like in the 80s. She had a high-necked black, very form-fitting dress on. She was really slender. The dress had long sleeves, and she always wore a turban, um, but like a, like a, you know, like a Lana Turner turban, not like a, um, like a Swami turban. Um, and the turban was black too, and she had her, her makeup was perfect 1920s, so she had these big, like, sort of arcing, silent movie star um, eyebrows drawn on, but they were drawn on in, like, red lipstick pencil, because I guess that was all she could get. So oh and would never, she would never talk, and she moved really crazy. She moved like a race, you know, but since I saw her in the daytime, I knew it wasn't a spirit. Also, she was picking through my trash, <laughs> looking for recycling. So one day I brought her out some black um, eyebrow pencils and she took them. And then finally I met someone else in the neighborhood and asked if, because I was calling her Mrs. Picasso. I don't, I don't even know where I came up with that name, Mrs. Picasso, but she just looked like she'd be a, a wife of Picasso, like in the, you know, in the twenties or something. And so I described her um, to this person I knew and they said, oh, that's Estrelita. And that was her real name. And she, she was the daughter of the real lady in black uh, that um, of Rudolph Valentino that goes oh to that went to the cemetery Rudolph Valentino's um, grave at Hollywood Forever yeah yeah wow so she can and now I think um, now I think I'm not sure someone else is doing it I've heard but I haven't seen them so I don't know if it's a relation to her or someone that just took up the mantle on their own but um, but yeah that was. Was that at Disgraceland? No, that was actually um, at a different a different Hollywood pad. Now, was, maybe I'm just making this up, uh, but didn't you tell me that at Disgraceland, your neighbor was the amazing Creskin? Oh, he wasn't my neighbor. He owned the house right next door to Disgraceland. So Disgraceland was owned by Mickey Hargitay. It was Jane oh, Mansfield's wow. bodybuilder ex-husband that had been in the Girl Can't Help It with her and um, <clears throat> his daughter's Mariska Hargitay. And then these two buildings were built in the 20s um, and, you know, we shared a driveway. I think they had 
maybe originally been owned by one person, but Mickey Hargitay owned one and, and um, the amazing Kreskin, the mentalist owned the other one. And on Kreskin's, there was this like big sort of like manhole cover in the middle of the lawn. And um, it was a um, Cold War era bomb shelter that we, we figured it out. And because someone at Disgrace Land decided to pry it open and see what was in it. It wasn't like it was a plumbing issue. And there was like this long, um, you know, metal ladder going down into it. And our house, Disgrace Land, was always getting busted by the cops, like constantly, like to the point where, um, like the cops knew me. Like if they'd seen me at a party or something, they'd be like, okay, Pleasant, you better get out of here because we're about to shut this place down. <laughs> or like one time um, on New Year's Eve, a riot, um, there was, it wasn't a riot, but the riot squad came to this abandoned building on Highland where someone was throwing an illegal like New Year's party and there was already hundreds of people inside and a million people on the sidewalk until my band was re wheeling our equipment in. And then the riot squad came. And in those days they had, what looks like now coronavirus face shield helmets, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. And they had like these other shields and they had batons. And so they were marching in military formation. And um, I was in the middle of wheeling an amp and one of them just like pulls up the, um, the, the, his, his shield thing. And he goes, Hey, I know you, I busted a party at your house last week. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, you should um, like everyone inside's going to get arrested. And I was like, okay, can I just run in to tell the other girls in my band? He goes, make it quick. And then he just put his helmet back down. Oh, my God. That is but, um, but anyway, so it, so at Disgrace Land, we were, our, our, par our parties were every night, every fucking night, and so rowdy that as soon as we discovered there was a bomb shelter on, um, in the lawn next to us, that, like, if the party was getting too rowdy, we would just tell everyone, like, let's go down and really get bombed. So we'd be lowering, like, cases of beer down there or, like, handing down Jack Daniels bottles. Like, it was like a bucket brigade. And then um, there was bunk beds down there and there was, like, survival crackers. And there was um, there was enough place to put, like, a big boom box, you know, that was on on batteries and you could fit like at least 12 people down there it was insane so we used to go down there and get bombed i wonder if it's still there <laughs> it is i think i'm pretty sure it is but um wait i was thinking wait i wasn't thinking creskin i was thinking criswell oh Not no it was Criswell. it was criswell predicts you're right you're right yes okay because i was just thinking i have i collect um like old paranormal books and stuff and i have this one of my uh on my table. Oh my it's god, like, that's so great. It's so cool. It's like Criswell predicts for the year two thousand. Yeah, wow. of course none that's of these things came so true. Oh my god. Oh that's my god. Yeah, I have like a whole collection of just random like UFO and Hans Holzer and Edgar Cayce. Oh yeah, I have one for them. Yeah, I yeah. Love I love them it. from like sixties, seventies, obsessed. Yeah, um, or you it's been a couple of years since I've seen it, but are you, were you in decline of Western civilization or no? No, I was there, but I don't think I'm, I, I don't remember if I was in it. Like, I don't, if I was in it, it would have been in a, in a crowd scene. I was, right. I was for the music war too, but I did used to, I lived in that house of John and Xenes that are in there when they went on tour. 
I moved into that house. That was that was wild. It was a cute little bungalow. So cool. Um, yeah. What else? Um, what else can we talk about of haunted haunted Hollywood or haunted LA? Like, um, what's your favorite cemetery out here? I mean, God, I don't. I don't want to sound so uh, so Bias. obvious, but <laughs> I just I love Hollywood Forever. My favorite too. I gotta say, I just love it. I go there. I, I'm due for a visit. That's something I should do. That's something you can do now, probably. Yeah, right? should, yeah, remember I said we should go there and take photos. Yeah, yeah. I I just love it there. I think it's so cool. It's um, so beautiful and peaceful. Yeah. Um, I, I should probably go to like Forest Lawn more. I, it's just, I don't go to those ones often, but. You know what one's really great, but I think it's closed now, Rosedale Cemetery. Which one is I that? Mean, I mean, not closed forever, but just, I think it's closed during pandemic stuff or maybe they have reduced hours. Um, it's on, um, it's kind of in lower mid city. Uh, it's like on Venice and I can't remember the cross streets, but it's super old and it's got these old cypress trees and palm trees. It's really beautiful. Also, um, a lot of people, I don't, I don't think that the, um, like I'm giving this away now. I don't think that the, um, if you work at Rosedale Cemetery, just plug your ears and go, la, 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 right? <laughs> um, a lot of people dispose of magic there. You know how you're supposed to uh, like, like leave your spells like in a cemetery or um, like in running water or at a crossroads. Um, well, I actually, I don't know if you know that, but like for everyone, that's you know. Anyway, Rosedale is a um, used to be such a common dump, and a lot of magic debris just look looks like it would be like flowers or something on someone's grave. But that, I've always found a lot of like spell disposal going on there oh interesting yeah. see that's the thing with me as time goes on i am learning more about all this stuff but i'm like such a just like curious person that i i don't I'm, i don't know a ton about witchcraft i don't know i don't know a ton about really anything i just like to hear about it um okay so well, let me let me ask you this because also we should t tell um people listening like you know when you're doing a ouija board um and you're talking to people especially if you think it's a relative of yours or someone you knew that passed you know you have to ask them trick questions right because a lot of times entities or demons or um you know just other spirits will will um sometimes try to like masquerade who they really are you know right. that right yeah Totally. Same thing with drag queens. <laughs> <laughs> it's a jungle out there, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had sex in a graveyard? God, you know, I can't say I have. Why not? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I know, I'm not real goth. I just have black nail polish. Um, oh my God. Um, no, I Tell me more Hollow, ho um, Hollywood's like weird Hollywood stories. I I love like the interviewer in me just wants to ask you questions. <laughs> okay, let's see if I can think of, of some off the top of my head. Well, I did have um, I had 
I had sex. Um, I had sex a lot in Hollywood Forever, but it was before it was Hollywood Forever. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't remember if I've talked about this on my own podcast because uh, it just blanks out. But um, my like my favorite. Um, well, there was there was actually I know a few other people that have done that too. In the olden days, like in the seventies, it looked like it was just like open. Like they didn't even bother to close the, the gates at night. You could just walk right in at any hour and do anything. And um, I was young and dumb enough to like not not think that it might potentially be dangerous. <laughs> um, but um, one time I picked up this really cute goth boy from a club and we were just like roaring fucked up. We were like totally fucked up and I was showing him like my favorite graves and we didn't even have a flashlight you know but so i found mel blank's grave and we were, we were having sex um, on it <laughs> when it was over he just like looked at me and he's like what's up back in like perfect bugs buddy voice oh, that's, just, I, that's all folks <laughs> no that's what mel blank's grave says though His oh, okay. on it. but i mean but I did say that's all. I, I didn't say that's all folks at the time. But as soon as he, he was talking like Bugs Bunny, I was like, damn, this guy could be a keeper and I don't even know his name. You know, <laughs> I was like, has been material. Um, but then I never saw him again. But um, oh I'm, trying, God, that's hilarious. I'm trying to think of what other weird, there's been so much weird, weird I shit. I can only imagine. Yeah, all over the place. Whitley Heights is really, really haunted. Um, yeah. yeah, because I feel like a lot of LA, there's, there's sections of LA that, I mean, I just love LA anyway. And the way that I got to know it now that we were talking about Thomas guides and GPS and stuff was I just used to cut, I used to cut school. I was like an incessant truant, like nonstop. But Where was your to, school in Hollywood? No, I wanted it to be in Hollywood, but I, so I tried to like illegally transfer to, um, Hollywood High because uh, then I would have had a, a, the only kind of high school ring I wanted that said Hollywood High on it because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't care about that kind of shit. But um, I transferred out here and I did the last year and a half of high school at, at Beverly Hills High because I was in that district. Mm. So that that was that was like a wild um, anthropological study to me. It was, I mean, it was nothing like I had ever experienced, but. Um, Wait, I'm losing my train of thought. You're talking about cutting class? Oh, yeah. So I cut class and drive all over L.A. And I loved all the really old parts of it. And then um, I would just, like, walk all over the place, too. And, like, and stand on in front of old houses. And, and I would always, like, start feeling or seeing stuff that I couldn't tell if it was, like, actual intuition or just imagining what went on there. But I feel like Hollywood has such a weird unique energy to it a lot of LA does but especially Hollywood because everyone had such high hopes and so many of those hopes were completely just shattered just yeah we talk about that a lot on my podcast and yeah I think it really is like the idea of unfinished business you know so many people come here to make a dream come true and then it their life gets cut short before that happens and then they're still pursuing that you know that they don't have that that resolution or whatever um 
and also they are people that want to be seen you know they're the kind of they were the kind of people that want to perform um oh so yeah a and lot that's, of those ghosts still do that that's why so many theaters are haunted i think and also you know what since we were talking about terry like i keep when when that movie first came out and for years i wanted to know where the um where the house was that they filmed it. And I always thought it was maybe in Eagle Rock or something. Now, I think I've known for a while, but I can't remember. But I did find the, um, the house that was Haddonfield, Illinois in Halloween. It is in, um, yeah. that's, in that's in Burbank. Right. Yeah. Oh um, my God, Michael Myers. That, I, like I have such a crush on Michael Myers, always. <laughs> here's a good hollywood story okay. when um this was like in the 80s when um my band of scream and sirens was playing and um friends of mine knew that i was obsessed with michael myers and so in the in the first movie of halloween it, he was like i mean his name was michael myers but it was listed as the shape so someone so someone invited um the guy that, that played the shape to our gig and he actually came and by like he came backstage after we were done playing and um at that point I was just I was like so drunk because we I mean I don't even know every, every gig that we did we were just we were just like drunker than shit and we had this rule in our band that like if one person was going to take any kind of a substance they had to have enough to share it with the other band members so that <laughs> Yeah, because like, you couldn't have someone like on downers and then the drummer was like on um coke or speed right or right but so we were all drunk and then um somebody brought this like really clean cut normal looking guy backstage and it was it was nick castle the guy that <laughs> played the shape and oh i was God. completely rich and i was like buy me a drink <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even know who it was. I just thought it was some normal idiot. <laughs> well, but, here's a question I have for you. When, because when back in the '80s, when you were performing with bands at places around Hollywood, um, were you around like the hair metal people? Like, were those people that were, you know, are on the same lineups or whatever? I mean, I know yes. that's not necessarily what you did, but was Some, that? Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Like, we used to play with Faster Pussycat, not Faster Pussycat, um, Poison a lot. Really? Because Poison was on the same label as my band was, and we all liked each other, especially Ricky Rocket, the drummer. He was so much fun. And then, like, my band played with um, Guns N' Roses. Um, I mean, we played, with, we played with everybody, but this was, like, before... They all got, you know, before a lot of people got famous, like, you know, like everyone was, all, there was, there was bills back in those days where if you look on the flyers, it seems like it doesn't make sense, but like we didn't really have the divisions then until hair metal really started and then everyone started coming across the country. Like there'd be, you know, bands from like the Midwest or something, no offense to you, who just like thought <laughs> that they could show up looking like, looking like total lugs and like, you know, sloppily apply some lipstick and let their hair grow out and think that they were like doing it right. There was that, I think that was- But I mean, that's also like drag queens. <laughs> yes, 
That's exactly. You just relate everything back to drag queens. I mean, I did. <laughs> I was raised by drag queens. I'm not kidding. Really? Wait, what's that? What's that story? No. Because um, my mom taught theater at a college um, in Connecticut, and um, all of her theater students, and some in the film program, it was an all men's school. At the, at the time, it was Wesleyan before it went co-ed. And um, my babysitters were either Black Panthers from the football team, like the, seriously, um, mm -hmm. or for drag queen, mostly, like theater students. So I was used to like, um, like if, you know, because the teenage girls that were babysitting around, like me, you know, later, um, you know, they would all, uh, the only thing that they would want to do would be like lock themselves up in your bathroom and make out with their high school boyfriend, you know, like, and, mm. and me and my brother and sisters were really fucking beyond rowdy. So, <laughs> so my mother finally resorted to like getting boy, boy babysitters. Um, and some of them would like, the football players would always like throw us around, like they'd throw us into the couch and, you know, take us outside and swing us around by our arms and do stuff to like wear us out, you know, because they were all strong. But the drag queens, if, if we started getting rowdy, they would immediately just go up and strip like a sheet off the bed and make a fabulous evening gown and then <laughs> put on like a Supreme single and, and come lip syncing down the steps. It was great. And then oh, um, I had... Um, I had boyfriends, uh, I mean, not boyfriends, babysitters that were kind of like my gay boyfriends too, because that was like when my, like, you know, if my mom would go out of town. I was kind of, I was the oldest, but I was still kind of too young to be left alone with the younger kids for like a whole weekend or something. So um, there was these other ones that were, um, they would come over and show me copies of Andy Warhol's interview and tell me about, um, you know, like, this is Candy Darling, and this is, this is Jackie Curtis, and stuff like that, and then paint my toenails, and you know what I mean, just all that kind of stuff, so, yeah. <laughs> wow, that is so cool. I love that. taught me how to put on false eyelashes um, at, at a totally inappropriate age. Like, <laughs> and the instructions were like, um, okay, girl, you fix yourself a drink, then you go and put the glue on the eyelashes. Then you take that drink and you decide what you're going to wear tonight. And you go through all the outfits and you figure it out and then have another couple of sips of your drink and then the eyelash is ready to apply. You know? <laughs> I, was, I was sitting there like, like, you know, going, okay, okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Was, but, but that wasn't here, right? Or where was, no, where was that, that was happening out there when I was, I was like, like, 13 or 14 then. <laughs> wow. But I'd already been, you know, I'd already been like, I hadn't really been fixing myself drinks, but I'd been like, you know, already like drinking in alleys and shit. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> the concept of fixing yourself a drink, like you have liquor in your own house and you can fix yourself a drink at any time. So very, very adult and glamorous to me. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the same thing with me, like always wanting to be an adult. I mean, I started I started sneaking into like rock shows when I was, I think, 13, 14, 15. Oh, yeah, yeah. Drinking, doing who knows what. Um, so by the time I like was moved out on my own out here, I was like, Ugh, I've been an adult for years, kids. I know exactly, exactly the same. That's 
that's kind of crazy. But maybe also, um, maybe also where, um, do you believe in reincarnation? Oh, yeah. Okay, so like maybe maybe we've both had several lives. Oh, yeah. For have sure. you ever had your Akashic records done? I never have. I never have, no. I was just talking to someone that does do that, but uh, I haven't done it. I want to do it. I know. I'm very curious, but um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very much a believer in that stuff. And, and when I started doing my podcast, Ghosted Explanation Point by Roz Jasperless, I available everywhere. Um, I didn't exactly know what a ghost was, but as time goes on, I really, I mean, I'm still open to other beliefs, but it seems to me that so many of the stories I hear are kind of that idea of reincarnation, sort of, you know, going on to the next life. And if this life ends and you're not ready to go to the next one, that's kind of one way that I think a lot of spirits get trapped in a, in a house or, you know, as quote unquote ghosts. That's what it seems like to me. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think I think about that too. Like, or I don't know if they're not rich. I think some of them just lose their way, or some of them are sort of like having a Stockholm syndrome kind of attachment to a place where a lot of trauma happened because there's, you know, like a lot of like the suicide bridge. I'll just say that for example, like under underneath that bridge is so fucked up, and even on top of it, like the first time. I ever did an investigation there is with Crystal Ravenwolf and there was so many souls up there that were it was it was like a line to get into a concert. Speaking of concerts, um oh when she was helping people cross over. It was it was nuts. Yeah, was I, like, mean, I think there I think there's many reasons. Holding, holding place. I think there's a ton of reasons why their ghosts exist, but it seems like that's a lot or there's like <laughs> There's, I've heard a couple of stories about, um, you know, someone having a near-death experience and then all of a sudden they come back and they're a little different. And it's kind of that belief that there's these spirits looking for their next vessel to have their next life in. And, um, and that's one way that that happens, um, which is sort of, I guess, reincarnation. So anyway, I'm, I'm very into the idea that it's um, reincarnation, I guess, Di living different lives um, that we all do. Some people have lived more than others. Um, there's certain things in our lifetimes that, uh, like, for example, I'm terrified of snakes, and I don't know why, but that's one of those things where I'm like, maybe there's something that happened with a snake in my previous I, life. I can't wear anything around my neck. I think I was, like, hung or maybe had my throat slashed or something. If I, I think more likely hung. If I feel anything on my neck, like if I ever had a turtleneck, I would cut that thing off or I would just never wear it, you know? I mean, when I was little, you know? Yeah. Like, and then even like, like I'm wearing this necklace right now. Um, audience, it's the pentagram. Um, but this is like the, this is the shortest chain I've ever worn. And I was wearing it for practice because, like, <laughs> I just can't stand anything around my neck. Although that doesn't mean I don't like being, like, um, you know, like manhandled around the neck <laughs> during well, 
<laughs> during certain episodes that may occur between two people consensually in the privacy of their own home or a dark alley. No. Or cemetery. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, well, there's also this TV show that I just, that I, I really enjoy called, I think it's called The Ghost Inside My Child. And it's about children that report. Um, oh, yeah. You know, they have all these crazy memories of something very specific. And, you know. Like that little of, boy that was like a pilot in World War II. Yeah, that kind of thing. And then they kind of research and find out like, oh, that was an actual person. How did you know that? Um, yeah, and crazy. It, I don't know. It kind of supports that belief in reincarnation. Yeah. But I'm open to many different things. It just seems to be a theory that I keep getting confirmed um, with the hundreds of stories I've heard so far doing this podcast. <laughs> okay, so um, Roz... Raz, let's um, let's let's tell um, the audience here who's been on your podcast, and also say who your dream guests are in case okay. any of. Um. So yeah, I I interview celebrities, and then also I've been having a lot more like paranormal researchers and psychics and that kind of a thing. Um, and then I also do listener episodes, so I have people call me and we talk on the phone about their ghost experiences. But uh, a lot of it is celebrities or showbiz types, and so I've had great, I've had great guests. Actually, I've had a few that you've had. I've had um, uh, Margaret Cho. I've had Selene Luna, a mutual friend. Um, I have had who else has been on? Busy Phillips, Karen Kilgariff of My Favorite Murder. Um, we had, uh, Jack Osborne, um, <laughs> who, who has his own paranormal show that's really good that I really Dad, like. He was, getting his, he was getting his nails done next to me at a salon a couple of years ago. <laughs> he's great. I think he's really cool. And he's, um, he does a ton of paranormal investigating these days. Um, so, uh, yeah, lots of, lots of all kinds of people, but some dream guests. Let's see here. There's, God, who who do I want? I, I want so many people. Well, I love that show, Celebrity Ghost Stories. Um, did you ever see that? Uh -uh. I have to watch it now. It was, um, it's on now, but like the old format of it was just like every episode had like four celebrities telling ghost stories and they would be reenacted by reenactors. And I've had a lot of people that have been on, that were on that show that come online. Um, and oh, that reminds me, I had Elvira on, Cassandra Peterson, which was oh, like, she's my number one idol. Um, so that was really cool. Um, but so yeah, I, there's some of the people that have been on that show that I want. I really want Lisa Rinna. Um, if I, <laughs> I love Lisa Rinna and she did a celebrity ghost story and I hope one day I can get her. Um, I want God, so many people. There's so many musicians. I haven't had as many musicians. Musicians and like particularly female pop singers have had, almost all of them have had ghost stories. So, um, you know, I, I would really like those people on as well. I don't know. Do you have any suggestions? Let's both, let's both like surround Stevie Nicks as our guest. <laughs> oh, that'd be so cool. Yeah, that would be great. 
Okay. So it's out every Thursday and hopefully, you know, when things get back to normal, we can do it on stage. Um, and now I'm like making videos and like going ghost hunting and doing all that stuff on Patreon too. So I'm trying to put a visual element to the podcast and I like, you know, we have fun with it. So like I have a thing, um, EVPs or EV police, which you play, which is, um, <laughs> where I find electronic voice phenomenon, you know, ghost voices off of YouTube. And then I make my guests guess what the ghost hunter thinks that the ghost is saying. Um, and then I have a new thing that I've been doing called where I go to eBay and I find allegedly haunted dolls and I uh, critique their outfits. And uh, that's, <laughs> that's called Chucky or just Yuppie. So <laughs> we have fun. Um, and that's that's all video stuff on Patreon. Okay, I have one. Also, of course, Pleasant's been on it. You have to hear Pleasant's episode as well. Okay, Two I have episodes. To ask one more thing. Can we get married? <laughs> <laughs> Please. Okay. Um, That'll be our next episode, our wedding. <laughs> well, we're also obsessed with ventriloquist dummies, which we haven't yeah. talked about either. <laughs> I'm so obsessed. I'm on the active hunt for a not haunted um, old vaudevillian ventriloquist dummy. Oh my God. You know what? Like this, I, something about this show just attracts ventriloquist dummy energy. <laughs> it's just a certain kind of person that I think is into just weird. Yeah, I, I, I call it the mannequin gene because everybody, everybody that likes like fucked up dolls and like ventriloquist dummies and mannequins, that's a certain kind of person. What do you think of clowns? And that goes with the mannequin gene or the clown I gene. I love clowns. I'm obsessed. Well, I, used to, I used to hate them, but I became a clown fucker like a long time ago. So, <laughs> okay, on that note, I think we should end this episode. Okay. Okay, bye all you clown fuckers and spooky-ass people out there in, um, in podcast clown fucking mannequin gene land. Mwah. Devil's Music is written and hosted by Pleasant Gaiman. Produced by Aaron Alden. All sound design by Jerry Danielson of Busy Signal Studios. And of course, is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at pantheonpodcasts.com. Our social presence is at Pantheon Podcasts on Facebook and Instagram. 
tweet us at Pantheon Pods. All songs can be found wherever you get great music. Please pick up these important and fantastic tracks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.